Hey, and welcome to the Scottsdale Podcast. We are currently in a series called, Did God Really Say? Enjoy the message. Yes, good morning. Thank you so much. That's what you call a warm Scottsdale welcome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Jeff, thank you so much. You guys set me up every time, anytime I preach. Jeff, I'm bringing you on tour with me, all right? Now, anyways... It's so good to be here this morning. We're in a series called Did God Really Say? As Jeff said, my name is Tucker Kelly. I've been the youth pastor for a little over two years here. I've been serving in this church as on staff for a little over six years, and I've been coming and I've been a part of this church since 2004. So you are my church family. I love you guys. I grew up here. I learned so much in being in this community, and so to be up here today is such an honor and a privilege and a pleasure. I'm so excited about what the Word of God is going to teach us today because, man, it has been teaching me this week as I've prepared. And if you're watching online, I want to welcome you. Thank you for clicking on this video. Like I've said, we've been in a series called Did God Really Say? And I love this series because it exposes the things of this world that sound pretty good. It exposes the things of this world that sound true, but really they're not. And a couple of those phrases that we've gone over is, God just wants us to be happy. God just wants us to be happy. Follow your heart. You know, the good Disney phrase, follow your heart and all your dreams will come true. Live your truth. Love is love and you only live once. And so we've been going through these statements and the statement we're going to talk about today comes from an old Aesop fable. Now, on the internet right now, there's this huge argument. Is it Aesop or is it Aesop? Is it a silent E or a silent I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say Aesop for now, okay? Because I like the way that it sounds. And there's a bunch of smart people on YouTube that said Aesop, okay? So Aesop... <laughs> Has these, are, he's accredited to many fables, many stories, and, and it's said that he was an old ancient Greek slave, and he was a funny-looking guy. He didn't look like anything like you guys, because you all are beautiful and wonderfully made in the image of God, all right? But this guy, I mean, he was, you don't write home to hit about him. I mean, when he came out of his mother's womb, it was a, it was a, it was a surprise. It was like, whoa. Um, and so he, he was short. And he had big feet and he had this huge belly and this long face. And, and, and of course, the kids, kids are mean, y'all. Kids are so mean. And so they would go up to him and they would make fun of him. And so finally, he was tired of it. And he's like, I'm going to tell these stories with these great one-liners that will help me and make sure that I won't get made fun of anymore by these kids. Because kids are mean, y'all. They can really tear us down. They're like bullies, right? And so he came up with these stories. And one of the stories that has been told for many generations, for centuries, starts off by a man that's a wagoner. Now, what's a wagoner? We, we don't have wagons today. Now, in ancient Greece, wagoners were very important. They were very big into trade. If you know your history, you know that Rome got its power by trade. You know that Greece got its power by trade. They, you know that they, they sold goods and services, and they were really good at getting um, things from point A to point B. And so this wagoner was like a modern day truck driver. And we have some truck drivers in the house today, I'm pretty sure. And I want to thank you for getting the goods and services to us because without you, America, I don't know where we would be. But so I'm grateful that we have some truck drivers today. But this guy, he was on a schedule. He had to make sure that he got these goods and services to where he needed to go from point A to point B. And he had all kinds of good stuff in there. I mean, there were so much stuff loaded in his car. It was probably too much stuff. And 
and he needed to make sure he got there on time. And so he checks everything. He looks at the wagon. He's checking it out. He's making sure everything is strapped down, kind of like what we do when we go on trips. We pray really hard that our car doesn't break down. We check the oil. We check the tire pressure, all the good stuff, check the brakes. And that's what I used to do when I got my first vehicle. I had a 1997 GMC Jimmy. I mean, and that thing, I loved it to death but I had to pray every single time I got in that thing. I had to pray, number one, that there was AC, because nine times out of 10, it would not work. And so I took like changes of clothes everywhere I went. And so I had to pray that the engine would start. I had to pray that it wouldn't stall out on me. I had to pray that it would keep on going. And, and eventually, on my honeymoon, it, it, it died. And so that was, that was kind of sad. A love was born, and a car was dead. So whatever. <laughs> And so this man, this wagoner, he's looking at everything. And so he's like, cool, I'm good to go. I'm ready to rock. And he gets in this wagon and he goes and he's probably going five over the speed limit, right? That's, that's safe. Maybe, maybe eight or 10. Is that safe? Maybe, maybe 15, but that's pushing it, y'all. Like, be careful. Don't get a speeding ticket. And so he's, he's going, he's making great time. And then boom, all of a sudden he gets stuck in the mud. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of mud. I'm talking about this big old pothole and this big old ditch. And he's got this big old wagon and he can't get out of it. And he does the same thing that we all do when we have a flat tire. We all, no matter where you are in the world, no matter who you are, we all have the same body language when we get a flat tire. We get out of the car, we search for the tire, we look for it, and then we do this number. I hope you can see this if you're watching online. We kind of stick out our foot a little bit. We raise our hands up, and then we hit our thighs. Hey, everybody, I'm telling you, I've done it, you've done it, you've seen people do it on the side of the road. They just like, well, can't do anything now. <laughs> Every time. And so then you get your spare out, and your spare happens to be dry rotted, and so, you, well, can't do it now. And so this Wagoner, he's looking, and he's doing that same body language, and he's like, ah, this is... That's really dirty right there. I've got a big old wagon. I can't push this thing. Well, guess what? The statue of Hercules was right there, right? That gave him some, some excited, excitement, some encouragement. He was thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe Hercules can help me. Maybe this statue of Hercules, who's just a statue, who's just made out of clay or whatnot, he's, he, he looks to the statue of Hercules and he, and he says, is there any way that you can help me? Is there any way that you can help me? And there's two things that scare me more in life. Number one is snakes, and number two is talking statues. No, thank you. I'm not, nope, I would be running the other way if the statue of Hercules started talking. But he starts talking. Remember, this is a fable, so it's fine. He starts talking, and he says, he starts laughing. He says, no such luck. Lean your shoulder into the wheel and get yourself out of it. Here's the statement. The gods help those who help themselves. The gods help those who help themselves. And so the man's sitting here, and he's like, what the heck? How am I supposed to get out of here? And then the story ends. The gods help those who help themselves. And we have to be very careful about stories like this. I mean, we've grown up on stories with statements like that, and we begin to start changing the way the phrase is, and we start trading this story for a lie. You see, I want to tell you, church, don't get caught up in these kinds of stories. Don't get caught up and wrapped up by the worldly stories that we hear today and exchange these made-up fables, these made-up stories for God's word. It's really awesome to hear that we have the word of God. It literally is God-breathed. It is his words to us. And we're trading little fables and stories 
for truth, the truth that will actually set you free. But it's so easy to fall for statements like that. It's so easy for us to fall for statements like God helps those who helps themselves. In fact, Timothy struggled with this as well. We see that Paul was writing to Colossians, or in Colossians to Timothy in 2.8. We see, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. That's that human tradition, that story, that fable that's been told and passed down according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. You see, the original statement was actually, and we've said it, is the gods help those who help themselves. And somewhere down the line, it changed to God helps those who help themselves. And it's a statement that sounds good. It really does. It, it kind of sounds smart. It maybe even kind of a little bit, teensy tiny bit, sounds like God might even say that. Maybe, possibly. It, it sounds smart. Other people say it to you as you grow up in your faith. And a lot of people are like, yeah, it's definitely in the Bible. It's definitely in the Bible. It's got to be in the Bible. Well, I've got two reasons today why this statement is terrible and it's wrong and it's leading us astray. But before I get those, I got a couple of things to say. The first thing is that we serve one triune God. We serve one triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We serve one triune God. It's so easy for us today and for our culture to find things to worship. Instead of worshiping the creator, we worship the created. You see, we, I've been, it's in our DNA to worship. And so anything that we can see, it's easy for us to worship. Our heart is like an idol factory. It's so easy for us to make anything a God. So easy for us to spend all of our time and joy and pleasure in the things of this world rather than God. We've been messing that up since the Old Testament. The Israelites constantly messed this up. They couldn't follow what God asked them to do. Hey, just serve me. Worship me. We serve one triune God. There's one triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I read through the Bible yesterday, and I got to tell you, it's not in there. We, we don't see this phrase in scripture. It took me a while, but no, I, I, haven't, I didn't read it just yesterday. But as I've combed through scripture and, and, I've, and I've studied, I have not seen anything like this. Now, I have seen that God has commanded us to not be lazy. God commands us to not be slothful. In fact, there's a couple of verses right here that I want to read. Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We're working hard. Romans 12, 11, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And then Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Isn't it interesting that those who are lazy, they work so hard at being lazy that eventually they'll be forced into working? That's just so interesting to me. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. But you see, this, these, these, are, these are important things to know. These are important truths to understand that we shouldn't be lazy. The, God says, work as hard unto the Lord. He tells us to work hard. But the gospel says, this is huge. I hope you're getting this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The gospel says, while we were sinners, while we were still sinning, while we were still sinning, Christ came and what? He died for us. Not as we were helping ourselves, Christ came and died for us. No, 
That's, that's not what it is. So, so why is this phrase so bad? Why is it so bad? God helps those who help themselves is anti-gospel. Why? Because we can't help ourselves. That's our first point this morning. God helps those who help themselves is anti-gospel. In fact, Paul was wrestling with this very same kind of statement. He was in his head about this. And, and one of my favorite passages um, from Paul is written in Romans 7. And we get a sneak peek in his brain. Now, Paul, this guy, he knew the first five books of the Old Testament. He understood the word of God like the back of his hand. He went and he multiplied God's church, Christ's church, and he went and planted many, many churches. And he's accredited for writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, a majority of the New Testament. This guy had it all together. If anyone could help themselves, it was probably him. But even him, even he knew that he couldn't help himself. So let's, let's look into the mind of Paul for a second in Romans 7, verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You see, he wants to help himself. He so desires to help himself, just like you and I. We so badly want to help ourselves, but Paul's saying, I can't. I just can't. I don't have the ability to carry it out, for I do not do the things or the good I want. The evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Let's keep going. This is, this is kind of like definitely something in our heads, right? We, we kind of ponder these things. And then this moment that in verse 24, something that we all need to recognize is he says this, wretched man that I am. It's hard for us to admit this as human beings. It's hard for us to even say that over our lives. But he recognizes something very important. He can't help himself. And then he calls himself a wretched man. Who will deliver me from this body of death? That's important to know because dead people can't get themselves out of the ditch. Dead people can't help themselves. He says, who can? And then, and then he answers and he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. For all who sin fall short of the glory of God, and we all sin. Romans 8.8 8 puts it this way. It says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Majority of us here today are in the flesh. If not, that's scary, all right? Um, but a majority of us are here, all of us here are in the flesh, and we have sin in our lives, and we cannot help ourselves. This phrase is anti-gospel because we cannot help ourselves. We need a helper. We need a helper. And praise God that he has given us that helper that we need. We see in Psalm 54, 4, we see, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. As we read the Old Testament, we see God is the helper. And then in the New Testament, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to help open up our eyes to the things of sin, open up our eyes to our brokenness, open up our eyes to the wretchedness of our lives. Without the Spirit of God, we're dead. Without the spirit of God, we're blind. We're walking throughout life blind. In third grade, the spirit started working in me. 
I started asking questions, and maybe some of you, this is kind of how it worked. The Holy Spirit, he's not indwelling within me at this point, but, but he's working. He's working on me. And, and I started asking questions, and I would go to my family, and I'd ask them questions. I would start going to church. I started listening in church, and in fourth grade, I started asking a little bit harder questions. And then in fifth grade, this is 2005, I'm dating myself now, I'm pretty young. In 2005, I asked the best question that changed my life forever. And that was, how do I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior? Because I recognized I needed help. In fifth grade, I recognized that I needed help. I was like 11 or 12. I needed a Savior. I needed that help that was in me. You see, we cannot help ourselves because we also need a Savior. Now, we keep talking about the gospel. What is the gospel? Simply put, it's the good news of Christ. The fact that we were once dead, but Christ came and he died on a cross for you and I so that we could live with him for eternity. You see, there is a punishment that was due because of our sin. And Jesus takes on that wrath. Jesus takes on that punishment for us. Praise God for that. We can't do it on our own. If we do, we're missing the entire gospel. Some people I ask, I, I have elder interviews often, and I, and I say, what, what is the gospel? And they're like, it's the best thing ever. I'm like, cool, yeah, that's, that, it is. But what's the gospel? Well, you, you find it in the Bible. Okay, cool. What is the gospel? And we got, church, we have to know how to explain the gospel to non-believers. We need to learn how to share the gospel. And I want to tell you, if you get stuck, go to scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 paints a beautiful picture of the gospel. And so if you get trapped up in your words, I want you guys to memorize this, to know what Ephesians 2 says. I believe that it paints this gospel image clearly. Check this out. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Let's keep going. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, wrath like the rest of mankind. In three verses, we see three very important things that we like to skip over as people because it kind of hurts. It kind of hurts, doesn't it? We see three things. We see that we're dead. We see that we're disobedient. And we see that we're drowning in the worldly desires. We're drowning in the worldly desires. No one can help themselves in that kind of state. Nobody. If you're dead. You can't pull yourself out of the ditch. If you're disobedient, you're going to run away from help. Why? Because we're prideful and because we're drowning in the worldly desires that so easily blind us and trap us. We got to get a hold of this, but we can't. That's the beautiful thing. Verse four changes everything. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead, even when we were disobedient, even when we were drowning in the pleasures of this world, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It's by grace. 
And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus. Hold it there for just a second. When we accept our brokenness, we give God the glory. But when we decide, I'm going to walk throughout life prideful and I'm going to try to help myself and I'm going to do everything on my own, who gets the glory then? You're taking away that glory that rightfully belongs to Jesus. And then we see the next verse before, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, amen, because we can't. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Again, I got to say, we were dead, we were disobedient, and we are drowning in our worldly desires, but then God, with his great plan, gives you a gift. I've received that gift, and man, has it transformed me so much. And I'm praying that every single person in this room leaves understanding, at least understanding, that God has given you the gift of eternity with him. As Garrett reminded us last week, the reality of eternity is for everybody. Everyone will live for eternity. But Garrett also reminded us that there's a heaven and there's a hell. Do you want to live in eternity with God or in torment in hell, suffering? We will all live forever. The gift has been given. Jesus took on the cross for you. Here's the thing. We still try to help ourselves, don't we? We still try to help ourselves, and we have these great tactics and these great behavior modifications, and these things aren't bad necessarily. They're not bad things to do, but you know, we start deciding, you know what, I'm going to help myself, and I'm going to get a good eight hours of sleep a night. Raise your hand if you get eight hours of sleep a night. You guys do. I, I am so grateful that some people do. I might get five or four. I've got young ones, and I, I just don't sleep either. And my young ones actually sleep 12 hours, so it's fine. Um, but I, I, I don't get that kind of sleep. And, you know, we, we, have, you know, we have a good calendar. I ripped this out of 2019. Um, sorry, Miranda. Uh, I don't think we need that one anymore. But that was a good year, wasn't it? <laughs> December 2019, we didn't know what was about to happen, did we? <laughs> But man, we, 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 we calendar out our, our entire week and we have this phenomenal schedule to the point where we wake up early and we work out. Yeah? I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I will get biceps, even with three pounds. I know it. And we start working out and, and, and not only do we work out, but, but, but we take our vitamins I took a lot of vitamins in 2020, y'all. I think I took the most amount of vitamins. I used to take, when I was a kid, remember Flintstones? Those were awesome, loved those. Um, but now I take these, these are not as fun. So we, we, we take our vitamins, and then, you know, we eat our broccoli. <laughs> we eat it, it's so good. It's got a little bit of hair on it, but do you, do you want some? <laughs> you gotta finish it before you uh, leave today, all right? All right. It's so yummy. Maybe, I don't know. And you know, as we're eating healthy and we're getting ready for our day, maybe we're listening to podcasts that are uplifting. Maybe, maybe we're even, you know, we might be listening to, to preacher sermons and things like that. And you know, that's good. We're listening to those podcasts. And, and of course, you know, we're, we're going to the self-help books, 
right? This one is Financial Peace, revised by Dave Ramsey. Praise God for this book. It has actually helped me. Okay, some people love it, and I do too. Um, And it really did help me. But if this is the things that you're turning to, and this becomes your savior, you're missing out on something much greater. You're missing out on so much greater in life. And yeah, I could read this entire book, but will it save me? Will it save you? Yes, maybe financially I'll be okay. But what about my spirit? What if I don't turn to Christ? You see, these things aren't bad in themselves. They're pretty good, actually. And I would encourage you to work on these things. But the problem is, these don't sustain us. See, we can't help ourselves. We need a sustainer. Maybe for a little while, these things will help us. And, you know, we're going around, we're carrying this, this load, and we're like, yeah, I'm good. I got this. I can do this on my own. But we need a sustainer. We need the spirit of God to sustain us. Why? Because flesh and spirit are constantly battling one another. Constantly. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, we see this. This is also Paul speaking. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Even when we do these things perfectly, we will still mess up. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You see, we're doing these things and and it's helping for a little while. But what happens when we come to a crossroads? You see, this phrase, God helps those who help themselves, number one is anti-gospel. Number two, it leads from self-help to self-medication. And so we're doing these things and we're trying our best and eventually they, they just, we get to a crossroads or we get out of our rhythm. I know 2020 got us out of our rhythm and we start turning to other things that really think, we think that might help us. And so, you know, instead of having a really good schedule and eating broccoli, we go to Burger King. Who's been to Burger King lately? Anybody? Okay, one guy that's like, oh man, I've been to Burger King. I have two. I went yesterday, okay? I got fries. It was great. Um, I I, I think Burger King does have some of the best burgers. Um, They're pretty good for the price, I guess. Um, But we start eating junk food, and and, and and we start going to sugars, and, and we just start vegging out. And it's funny that we call it vegging out, right? Like, why do we call it vegging out? Like, if we're vegging out, we should be eating that broccoli that, yeah, yeah, throw it up. Yep, that's it. No, no, this is called junking out. Like, we junk out. That's a weird phrase, too. But we start eating these things. And believe it or not, I'm not a scientist, but I understand what sugar does to my three-year-old. And there's a lot of sugar in things like this. And the more sugar we intake, the more we are unable to think clearly. It's true. I mean, you can, you can look it up. I, I've seen it with my daughter. But then, you know, not only that, but we couple that with media. You know, we start looking at media. We start looking at all the things on media, and we start consuming our time. I, I've been there. I've, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, gosh. <sighs> I need to go to bed. I need to go to sleep, right? And so we keep watching and over and over again, and eventually we don't just watch Netflix. We don't just watch other streaming devices or other things, but we start allowing the lust of our lives to run wild on the internet. 
And that's a dangerous place to be. And we have this momentary happiness. And then, you know, this isn't working enough. And so, you know what? We, um, you ready for this? This is going to be a little crazy in church, all right? (laughs) Then we turn to alcohol and we start abusing alcohol. Now, we understand that a little bit every once in a while is fine, but if this becomes your God, the empty bottle, you'll want another one over and over again. And eventually, you'll start taking drugs. Eventually, you'll start trying different things. You'll start you know, abusing that prescription that you have. And if the camera's looking at me right now I'm, and you get a screenshot, I'm fired. <laughs> because this is, this is crazy. All right, I'm going to put this up. That's why I'm sweating up here, because I was like, oh, gosh, I got to pull this bottle up. Now, there's probably more, but I can only bring so much paraphernalia to church, all right? So, all right, Phil, we did it. We made it through. That's good. Okay, don't fire me. I I did bring those things to church, but that's that's true. That's the reality, and that's what happens is is we walk around, and, and now not only are we trying to juggle this, but we're also juggling this in our lives, and we're running around, and we're thinking, I got this. I can help myself. I'm good. I don't need help. But eventually, it'll catch up to you. Eventually, it'll catch up to you, just like it did to me. I was coming out of college, and uh, I was about to get married. We were either married, I don't remember, Miranda, but maybe we were about to get married, and that was me. I was doing some of these things because I was just wanting to help myself so bad. But I recognized somewhere along the way, "Ah, I'm not good enough. I can't help myself. But for some reason, I just kept on trying to prove my worth. I had a a future father-in-law that I wanted to say, hey, I'm a man. I got this. I can take care of your daughter. I can can make sure that financially we're good. I was trying to get a job here at this church. I was an intern, and so I was trying to prove my self-worth and trying to prove what I could do. It was all about me. I was always constantly trying to prove myself, holding these things and walking around saying, I got this, I got this. And I was in the apartment, I was heading in the bathroom to put up some shelves or something. And I wasn't even good at that. I put so many holes in our first apartment wall. Like it, was, it was bad. Um, but I remember going into the bathroom and just, boom, collapsing, just falling. My knees just gave out. I, I had never experienced anything like this ever before. And as I lay on the ground, my heart was beating out of my chest. It was beating so fast that my breath couldn't keep up. It just couldn't keep up. And so Miranda comes in, and by that point, my head is throbbing, and I'm getting tunnel vision, and she's like, I'm going to call for help. I'm going to call 911. I was like, no, 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 don't do that. They can't help me. That was embarrassing, right? I was moving into this new apartment complex. I don't want to be, you know, carried out on a stretcher from the third floor that everyone can see, right? That's embarrassing. I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I got this on my own. I can help myself. It's like, no, 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 you need help. Let me call. I was like, no, no, I can save myself. They can't do anything for me. They can't sustain me. What do they know? Well, they're paramedics. They, they know a lot. They can, <laughs> they can help. And I should have listened to her. And I should have listened to my friends. And I should have listened to God. To slow down. Stop trying to help yourself so much, Tucker. And so I passed out. And three hours later, I wake up and I feel the same way. And as I'm waking up, I'm waking up to this voice, Tucker, Tucker, you can't. And it gets louder, Tucker, Tucker, you can't. 
And one more time, I'm about to wake up. Tucker, Tucker, you can't, but I can. I believe that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, telling me to slow down, telling me to stop trying to help myself. You see, I've been going throughout life doing this so much, running through life, carrying this baggage, carrying this weight, holding this tension within me, trying to go, 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 but you can't, and I couldn't. I praise God that he knocked me off my feet. I get to the hospital and they hook me up to some kind of machine that gets my blood pressure and all kinds of stuff. I don't, I don't know what it was. And they kept looking at it and they brought more people in. They brought another machine in. I'm like, this is not good. I'm dying. <laughs> then they brought another machine in and some more people. And then they checked my blood pressure, man, like the old school way. And they were still having issues. I was like, what's going on? And later they were like, we have no idea what's happening, but your blood pressure is so high that our instruments aren't reading it. Probably should have died, but the sustainer was sustaining me. I'm here to tell you that story because it's important to recognize that we can't help ourselves. I was going throughout life holding this baggage, thinking that I could. I was my own God. I made myself God, thinking I got this and I can take care of other people, but you can't. In this state, we can't help ourselves. We have to drop the baggage and we have to open our hands and surrender. If you're watching online, I hope you can see this right now. What does this look like? This looks like worship. This looks like surrender. And then as we accept what Jesus did on the cross as he died for you, and that's huge. Like as he was dying for you, he was hanging on the cross all day long, and as he was gasping for air, he was dislocating his body just to get a breath, and that whole time he was thinking about your name. Why? Because he can, and he did. He was thinking about your name, and he was thinking about the sins that you've committed, the sins that you're going to commit, the sins that you're committing now. He died for you so that you can let go of these things, so that you can surrender to God and say, Jesus, I surrender to you. You are my help. You are my savior. You are my sustainer. In closing, Luke chapter five. I'm about to wrap this up. But Luke chapter five is one of my favorites because there's this man, he's paralyzed. He can't help himself. There's nothing that he can do. And so he's laying on this mat and his buddies pick him up and they take him to where Jesus was. And Jesus is there, he's in a home and he's teaching. And he's talking about the, thing, the great things that he's about to do. And so his, this, his paralytic buddies, they, they bring him up to the roof. I don't know why they didn't go through the front door. I really don't. I, I, the front door was there, I guess. Maybe it was packed. So they go up onto the roof. They start digging. And they start digging. And Jesus is speaking and they do the one thing that they know that will work. They lay the paralyzed man down at the feet of Jesus. The only one, the only person that can do anything to help us. And so as he's laying there, Jesus says something beautiful. He says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. He first says your sins are forgiven, not get up and walk. Isn't that beautiful? Because Jesus does a complete healing. Not just a partial healing, but he does a complete healing. And so he says, your sins are forgetting. Pick up your mat and walk. So then he gets up and he walks. Jesus gets the glory. 
And then later on, Jesus gets hungry and he sees this tax collector named Levi. We know him as Matthew. And he, he says, hey, let's eat together. Let's have some dinner together. And this is where we pick up in Luke 5, verse 30. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. If you're sick this morning, you have a physician and his name is Jesus. But those who are sick, right, I have no I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Christ has come for you. If you're here today and you have not yet accepted Christ, I'm praying that the Spirit of God is starting to open up your eyes right now. Starting to open up your ears to the gospel, the fact that Jesus has come in your place. He has come and he has died. And then he rose again and he says he's coming back. Bring back the saints. This is an opportunity for you. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. It also says in Romans 10 that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. That's what it takes. That's it. That's all. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. Those of you that are believers, you might be walking around with one of these two things, or you might be walking around with both. It's time to drop these things and start, again, surrendering to God. Start worshiping him, not these things. Start worshiping who Christ is in your life. But if you are a believer, I, I want to ask that you intercede with me for the ones who, that are not, the ones that are not believers today. The gospel has been laid out for you. The great physician has done his work for you. And all you need to do is accept it and realize, I receive you. Let me pray for you this morning. God, as I, as I stand here today, I'm thinking about your great love for us. I'm thinking about how good you are to us. The fact that we cannot help ourselves. Apart from you, we are dead. But Lord, you have made a way. In your scripture, you say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved and you believe in your heart. I pray right now that there are people in this room that are believing in their heart that you are Lord, that you are their savior. I pray that they are asking forgiveness for their sins. I pray that they are running to you right now. Even as they sit here, that they're just thinking about you. I pray that your Holy Spirit is working even right now. God, I ask that you would do only what you could accomplish. God, I pray that they would accept. And then after the song, Lord, I pray that they come and confess that. Uh, I pray that there would be pastors down here that would be willing to receive them and to talk them through that decision that they're making. God, but I pray for the rest of us here. I pray that as we continue to live the life that you have set before us, that we remember that you are Lord that we remember that we cannot help ourselves, but our help comes from you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If this message blessed you and you now have a desire to follow Jesus, I encourage you to go to scottshill.org slash next steps so that we can follow up with you. Also, if you like the message, feel free to share it on social media with your friends and family. God bless.